0: Hey guys, I don't know if you know this, but I love biohacking, I love testing out new foods, new supplements to feel my best, look my best, perform my best. That's why I'm so excited that we partnered up with Neurohacker, they're sponsoring today's podcast. So this is something new, Senolytics. These are cutting edge ingredients that are making waves in the world of healthy aging. If you're looking to optimize your energy, feel your best no matter what your age you definitely have to start researching this. This is why I'm super excited to be talking about qualia senolytic. See, as we get older, these things called senescent cells build up. They're basically old, worn-out cells that hang around and mess things up. They cause aches, slow recovery, a general blah feeling. Think of them as zombie cells. Qualia senolytic gives your body a kickstart to clear those out. Think of it like a deep cleaning for your body on the cellular level, making way for your good cells to thrive. Honestly, before I tried this, I was a bit skeptical. But guys, the difference blew me away. Within a few months, energy levels are through the roof. I felt sharper. My workouts felt better. This middle-aged sluggishness, it's gone. And you can take qualit. this middle-aged sluggishness, mostly gone. So if you're ready to fight those aging effects at the source, head over to neurohacker.com slash Successpod. That's neurohacker.com/successpod for up to one hundred dollars off, and use the code Successpod for an extra fifteen percent off your order. And just a quick disclaimer: these statements have not been evaluated by the Food or Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. And this review represents my personal experience and opinions, and is not a guarantee, promise, or reflection of anyone else's results. I was given free product in exchange.
1: college wasn't for me I knew very early on so I went to the Navy and when I was in the Navy my dad bought me a book rich dad poor dad and it was a life-changing moment too because I flash back to Michael Polak and I'm like wouldn't that be cool to be able to do real estate so now I'm out of the Navy and a friend of mine pulls up to a lunch meeting that we were having in a brand new Mercedes and I said dude i know you you don't have any money how the hell did you get this new car and he said
0: cody sperber the clever investor he is a digital marketing genius you know kind of guru for sure self-taught self-made last
1: year i sent out 54 million emails i have a 48 percent open rate and i made 10.8 million dollars from clicking an email button
0: how do you differentiate description of a mentor that you found that helped you close that deal at 14 months versus all the courses. People look for mentors and they yeah. start buying products. But then there was a pivotal person that actually took you over the finish line.
1: Sometimes you need somebody that can teach you things you can't learn in books. That real life wisdom and the ability to navigate you in a real deal. I'm glad I bought all the books. I wouldn't change it for the world. While he taught me one important lesson very early. He said, listen, Cody, yes is going to get you out of he poured love into me.
0: Okay, you kill it up the real estate game. What makes you a great marketer?
1: Mm, I think it's, I mean, it's probably a little personality. You know, I'm... Just remember this. One of the other lessons my mentor used to say is, in real estate, you'll never have a money problem. You'll only have a
0: welcome to success story i'm your host scott clary the success story podcast is part of the hubspot podcast network they've supported the show for almost two years now so i want to just give a shout out to them hubspot is an incredible tool for business leaders if you've never tried it before you obviously have to check it out Uh, you've heard a lot about it on this show but outside of just hubspot being amazing they're incorporating ai tools that as a business leader you have to pay attention to because right now we're living through the industrial age of ai there are already tons of innovative ways to leverage AI tech to streamline and grow your business. HubSpot just launched two free AI tools that can help you automate some of the more tedious parts of marketing and managing the CRM. So Content Assistant and ChatSpot are brand new GPT-powered features that can instantly brainstorm blog topics, write ad copy, filter contacts run reports, and so much more. They're like virtual assistants that never complain, never quit, that quickly dig through data dumps to find you the needle in the haystack. So to learn more about using AI to grow a better business, head to hubspot.com slash artificial-intelligence.
1: Getting into real estate was definitely the biggest pivotal moment of my life because when you when you're young and you don't have a lot of money and you don't have successful people around you it's uh you know you don't you don't have clarity on a path it's just more like oh I'm gonna go like when I was a kid oh I'm gonna go be a marine biologist right I'm gonna go be a history professor like you think of things that maybe would be enjoyable to go do for the rest of your life um never in my wildest dreams did I think I was even qualified to become a real estate investor? I thought that was for rich people. I thought you had to have a license and you know, s- same stuff. Most people yeah. think about when they think about owning property, it's, uh, uh, there was a guy in town. His name was Michael Polak. I used to walk by his building every single day. Um, cause both my parents worked. So unlike the weak kids nowadays, and he dropped off right in the front, you know, <laughs> uh, I I used to walk about three, four miles or ride my bike and I passed by his building every single day and his name was on the side of the building. I thought, wow, like as a little kid, like how do I get my name on a building, you know, (laughs) and then I started paying attention because it's kind of like, you know, like when when you buy a car and all of a sudden you start seeing that car everywhere it activated my reticular activation system. And I was like starting to see, wow, that street corner is owned by Michael Polak. that he owns Polak cinemas, he owns Polak, you know, yeah. corners, whatever the name of the, and they were everywhere in Mesa, Arizona. And if you're from the area, you know who this guy is, cause he's kind of a Donald Trump character, long flowing hair, used to drive around. I read an article one time later on in life yeah. where he drives around in an RV and he literally parks his RV in the parking lot of the commercial street corner, he wants to buy like the shopping center. And he'll sit there until he does a deal with the current owners. Like he'll camp out in their He's parking wild. lot. He's wild, like super, super eclectic. But anyway, so I see his his name and I'm like, God one of these days I'm going to stop in this building and find out what this guy does. And eventually I did. And the late, cause I said, Hey, can I go see Michael Polak? And she said, Oh no, no, he's busy. Like nobody just walks in and sees Michael. I think I was like, maybe in uh, seventh grade. And, but she, I said, what do you guys do? And she said, Oh, we we're real estate investors. And so that planted that seed for me, yeah. but I didn't do anything about it. You know, you don't know. And your parents, they weren't, they weren't entrepreneurs. No, weren't. no, yeah. not till later on. Okay. My dad became an entrepreneur after getting fired like maybe thirty times okay. in life. You know, eventually <laughs> he started, and and he started because my uncle was fixing VCRs, and my dad was like, "Well, why don't we do this as a business?" And it started off as VCR repair. I mean, that's that's how big his vision was. His dad passed away when he was twelve, so he didn't have any guidance either, and always had to fend for himself. And so, great parents, but not entrepreneurial until my dad started that VCR company with my uncle. But Here I am now as an adult, college wasn't for me. I knew very early on that wasn't my thing. And so I went to the Navy and when I was in the Navy, my dad bought me a book, rich dad, poor dad. And I'm out in the Persian Gulf. I'm reading this book and it's talking about real estate, talking about assets and liabilities. I had never heard of it described this way. And it was a life changing moment too, because it was like another seed was planted and I flash back to Michael Polak and I'm like, wouldn't that be cool to be able to do real estate? So now I'm out of the Navy. I'm going to ASU because the Navy's paying for it. And a friend of mine pulls up to a lunch uh, meeting that we were having in a brand new Mercedes. And I said, dude, I know you. You don't have any money. How the hell did you get this new car? And he said, I flipped a house and I made $80,000. dollars and I was just blown away. I said, you're full of shit. No way. By the way, can I cuss on this? You can, okay, yeah, cool. Sort of as much as you want. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, I said, you're full of shit. I'm like, how did you do that? Do you have a real estate license? He's like, no, you don't need a license. I'm like, well, where'd you get the money? He goes, you don't need any money. And I'm like, my wheels are spinning. I'm thinking.
0: You know, yeah. your reaction is the same reaction as everybody when they first <laughs> watch like yeah. some like real estate influencer <laughs> talk about how they get into the game because it doesn't make sense to a lot of people like it really doesn't make sense if you come from a background where your your parents bought the house and they got a mortgage and that's and you know you had to have a down payment you're saving up for that down payment none of this really computes
1: well now we're exposed now we are social media tv shows
0: all we're exposed
1: back then 19 years ago none of this existed and i was just like but he penciled it out on a napkin you find a motivated seller, then you put their house under contract, then you find a cash buyer. These are landlords or rehabbers that have more money but then time, and they don't have time to go find good deals, and so you're basically a matchmaker, and you go find these discounted deals, and you serve it up to them, and then they buy it from you, and they pay you like a, a fee, called a wholesale fee or a finder's fee, for putting the deal together, and mine happened to be $80,000, which was astronomically big and very lucky. He never did another 80G deal. But it, uh, he bought this car with this money, you know, because, you know, that's what he wanted. And so uh, <laughs> not, not the
0: smartest. Yeah,
1: <laughs> whatever. Hey, whatever. I did the same dumb shit, yeah. too. But but I took the napkin yeah. and I stared at it for weeks because I was pissed and I couldn't figure out there was nothing online. There wasn't a lot of information. And I was kind of getting pissed because I was like, if this is true, how come I never heard of it? how come they don't teach this in school? How come my dad never talked to me about, Hey man, here's a creative way to build wealth. The book, rich dad, poor dad say, get assets, limit liability. My dad never said that, you know? And yet here is my goofy friend who, you know, we used to party together and get lit. Now he's like balling out. And so I went down this, this, this rabbit hole of trying to figure it out And the way we did it back then was read newspapers. And in the back of the newspaper was an ad from a guru. We're coming in town, real estate seminar, mm-hmm. $300. That's the, only way the, you learn. that's the only way you
0: learned. That's the only way you learned. That's
1: how we learned back yeah. then. And so I flew all over the country trying to find these seminars and they loved me because I would walk in and I, I had some credit limit on my credit card. I didn't have cash, but I had credit limit on my credit card and I bought every book and tape as, as soon as they offered it. If it sounded good, I'm like throwing my credit card up on stage. Like they sold the shit out of me. Yeah. But I didn't care because I was like obsessed with this concept of like getting wealthy in real estate. And I'll end the story with this, dude.
0: They don't tell you how freaking hard it is to get started. No, i that's that was my next question. It's like, okay, so you bought every tape. You're like a guru's like wet dream. Yeah. You're buying yep. all the shit. But a lot of people screw it up and they don't take action. I mean, each with its own costs and its own set of headaches. That's why I made the switch to NetSuite by Oracle. It's changed our company. Think about it. NetSuite is one of the top financial systems out there. It puts your whole business on one platform, accounting, finance, the works, one data source for everyone. No one's really matching my needs. and to start transforming your to-do list with belay. Even now when people have access to unlimited information and they still pay for something, they pay for a course, they pay for time with a mentor, they still fuck it up. And it's not even in real estate, it's in, in literally everything. I mean, mm-hmm. any job or skill or thing that you could possibly learn to take your life to the next level, it doesn't matter whatever you wanna do, it's about taking action and that's the piece.
1: Well, and my thing is, and now being an educator, had over 80,000 students come through my programs. It's not that they're not wanting to take action. It's that there's a series of things that happen in very early on when you're just starting to learn. For me, it was drinking out of a fire hose. I bought too many courses. Mm-hmm. I went to too many seminars. I talked to too many people and everybody had a freaking opinion. And I was, I'm more like, uh, engineering brain, right? Even yeah. though I'm, I'm, even though I'm very creative and like a great marketer and like able to like, really like be creative, my brain works like step one, step two, step three. So when you open a book that you paid a thousand dollars for these binders yeah. is how they used to get you. And there's like seven binders and it's like going to school, right? Well, it's not in chronological order. Doing a deal doesn't happen like step one, step two, step three, like they teach in the thing. And I, so I was getting overwhelmed and I was getting frustrated because it w- first month you're all like coming out of the gates you're so excited, you're telling everybody I'm gonna get real estate rich. Then by month three or four you're starting to second guess yourself. The little voice is getting louder. Your friends are starting to make fun of you. You know your credit card bills are due. You're starting to get you know Stretchy. frustrated yeah. about that. Um, by month six my parents were sitting me down, going, "Dude, you're making a mistake." My girl is saying, "Go get a job." Yeah, we got to pay these bills. Like, what are you doing? This isn't And now reality, thinking, reality. Now I'm thinking, am I too young? Did d- d- is it not for me? Am I not capable of doing it? All the all the self-limiting bullshit. Um, some people have a ton of bad past experiences. And so they try it up until the point they hit friction or, you know, it doesn't work out on their time frame. Mm-hmm. And then they just throw in the towel and majority of people that in my experience it has nothing to do with them it has to do with somebody else steering their ship they come in they find out you're trying to do this it's a significant other it's your parents it's somebody that you love and they tell you all the reasons that you shouldn't do it it's not going to work and next thing you know you're off on a tangent people the thing with real estate and this is why i love this vehicle it's tangible I can go in and touch the real estate. I can't do that with stocks. I don't have any control over stocks with real estate. I have control. And so because of leverage, I can buy, let's say I had money. Let's say I had a hundred thousand dollars. I could go buy $500,000 worth of real estate with a hundred grand in capital. Yeah. And if, even if it's not my money, I could go to you and say, Scott, I know you have money, dude. I found this deal. We need a hundred grand. We're going to take your hundred grand and go get a real loan with it. Buy $500,000 worth of real estate. I'm going to turn it into an Airbnb and we're going to split the profits so I can put the whole deal together using your money and the bank's money. It's leverage. Leverage is the key to being a great entrepreneur, being a great real estate investor. And on top of that, the tax benefits of real estate is insane. Not many other money making vehicles. Can you make ridiculous money quickly? whether flipping or renting and creating mm-hmm. cash flow, pair that with the leverage, pair that with the ability to not pay taxes. You know, let's say you work really hard at a job and you make 150 grand a year. You're at the top of the food chain making 150 grand that's a year pretty, in the world, right? <laughs> that's you're doing great.
0: Good. And for a the, job, the problem is bad. you're paying <laughs> 60 of it yeah. to the government. And I think and now I just saw a stat, 100K in New York feels like 36, something <laughs> <Yeah>. like that.
1: <laughs> so, but what if you were able to do that while at the same time living below your means, yeah. then turning around, taking all available capital and leveraging all your friends' capital to go buy real estate that provides enough tax benefits to offset your earned income? Yeah. Once that clicked in my mind, I was like, oh my God, this is it for me. I have to do this business. I have to figure this out. It took me 14 months to do one deal. Most people don't have it in them to go 14 months without doing a single deal. Now I've done thousands of deals. I own development companies. I got 23 houses going up right now. I got over $40 million. I'm floating out on the streets. I lend money I own Clever Investor, which is an, the, one of the larger education companies. Like I said, we had over 80,000, 90,000 students come through our programs. Almost everybody that you know of nowadays that's really big has been a student of mine or has studied what I've done because how big we scaled. None of that would have been possible if I would allow overwhelm to hold me back, if I would have listened to my parents, When they sat me down and tried to crush my dreams, oh, you're making a mistake. Stay focused on college. Don't do this. And I, they were my heroes. You know, it's like how how do you not listen to somebody that you really love, who's guided you your whole life, but you know in your core they're wrong. But you're on the edge because you're so defeated, and you have so many people in the real estate game because there's big money. There's a lot of voices, a lot of opinions, manipulation, a lot of opinions, a lot of Pushing and pulling, you have to be really tough to stay the course. And it's like that three feet from gold analogy. It's like I I knew I was close, but I couldn't quite connect it all together. And the thing that made it work for me, it was it was the one thing. Without this one thing, I would not have made it because I did quit. Or nine months in, I quit for a few months, and then I got back in it. But when I got back in it, this time. I said, you know what? I'm not going to do this on my own. I'm not going to wing it. I'm not, it's not a good strategy. I'm, I'm now $30,000 in credit card debt. Every person that was supporting me in the beginning bailed. I'm alone, right? I've been close to pulling off a deal 45 times. And for some reason it keeps falling apart. I'm in my own way. I'm over talking. I'm overselling. Like this is like the stuff all, all new, new, new salespeople, new entrepreneurs face and i'm out of resources i have to make this work and finding a mentor was the game changer for me
0: i want to ask you a quick question first how do you differentiate how do you differentiate, uh, differentiate the des- description of a mentor that you found that helped you close that deal at 14 months versus all the courses and the bullshit and all cuz when people look for mentors and they yeah. start buying products and they start opening themselves up to education but then there was a pivotal person that actually took you over the finish line
1: Yeah, because sometimes you need somebody that can teach you things you can't learn in books. That real-life wisdom and the ability to navigate you in a real deal. I'm glad I bought all the books. I wouldn't change it for the world. Like, I am so grateful for that experience because, one, I appreciate it more. When you finally get that win, it's kind of like Roger Bannister running the four-minute mile. It's like, it's real. I can do this. And what's funny is after he ran the four minute mile, you know, for thousands of years, no human ever did it. And every expert said it couldn't be done, right? Not possible. Perf- you need perfect weather, perfect wet, uh, wind conditions, perfect sh- field conditions. Like everything had to be perfect for them to even potentially do it. And then this dude does it. And then what happens immediately after he does it? Other people do it. Hundreds of yeah. other <laughs> athletes start, yeah. start yeah. doing it. Literally within months, another guy did it out of Australia. And so it's like, when belief changes, right, and you move from, like, knowing, from, from hoping to knowing, uh, you just operate differently. I, got, I toughened up. And with Lyle, I didn't have the resources to hire Lyle. But, like, dropping a crackhead in the middle of any city in, in the world and saying, go find drugs, they're going to find their drugs. Right? They're going to come up with whatever resources they need to get what they want because that kind of motivation is different than I want to get rich. I was never doing this to get rich. Yeah, I wanted to be rich, of course. Like, who doesn't? I wanted control. I wanted to stop being bullied. I wanted to stop being pushed around my whole life. You know, I, I've moved six, seven, eight times before sixth grade. My dad was a pro at getting fired every two years. So I'm moving state to state. I never have a stable friend, a group of friends. When I did, I was a smart mouthed, young looking, easy to pick on kid. I was the outlier, right? Teachers didn't like me because I was hyperactive and I wanted to control them and and teach the class. You know, I didn't, I I always looked at my teachers like, dude, you guys are bozos, you know, like, you're not gonna, you're not gonna be up. What are you teaching me? You know, like memorization skills, like I'm good, bro. And so it was, I was, a I was really good at pissing people off. And because of that, I got in a lot of fights, I got put, picked on a lot. And so as I was getting older, I was like, dude, I don't want to work at a job. I don't want to have somebody control my time. I don't want to be out of control ever again in my life. So I'm going to do whatever it takes to, to gain back control. So with Lyle, he really, you know, he taught me one important lesson very early on. He said, listen, Cody, Yes is going to get you out of Egypt, but no is going to take you to the promised land. Your challenge right now is you're saying yes to everybody and everything. And you're trying to do all these things. We need to put some blinders on you, dude. You're like a racehorse with all this youthful, with all this youthful enthusiasm. But like you're, you're sabotaging your own success. So put the blinders on, let's simplify and let's master the mundane. You're not going to like it. It's going to suck, but you're going to do the same repetitive thing over and over and over until we get a result. And uh, and and he poured love into me. When somebody is really there for you and they believe. really believe in love on you, you kind of know I got somebody in my corner finally that's been there, done that, that's blazed the trail. I wasn't out there winging it any longer. He knew exactly what was going to happen. He could see the next 30 steps. Mm-hmm. Before, I couldn't visualize anything. He could see it all. And so from the time I hired him, to the time I got a deal was two months. That's how fast it happened. And I made 40 G's on that first deal and it was a very hard deal. It was a foreclosure, bankruptcy, divorce scenario. I didn't know anything about e- any of that stuff. I had never even done a deal before, but yet here I am working this really complicated deal with Lyle in my corner, able to pull it together, get it done. At the t- When I quit, I was so broke that I went and got a job as a bookkeeper just to make a few bucks. I was making 34 grand a year as a bookkeeper and I didn't even know how to do books. I went and read Bookkeeping for Dummies in order to get this job. And uh, to make 40 grand on your first deal, just like Jeremy making 80 grand, it was life changing money. I'd never made that kind of money before in a single deal. The whole deal, even as complicated as it was, maybe took 10 hours to pull together.
0: Can I ask why out of all the deals, because Lyle's telling you to focus and, and sort of put blinders on and disqualify the shit that you shouldn't be focusing on. Great. It's very mm-hmm. smart. But what about this particular deal, even as complex as it was, allowed you to close it so quickly?
1: Well, it, when you're out generating leads, what we're really looking for in the real estate space when, when you're doing creative real estate is a motivated seller. Right? We're look, we're not most people, if you look down the normal street in America, 85% of all of those homeowners that own those houses, they're not motivated. They will never sell at a discount. They're gonna take their time, fix it up, hire a realtor, get full market. But at any point in time, about 15% of those homeowners, they're going through divorce, bankruptcy they're bad with money, they're falling behind, they have to relocate, they had a death, maybe the house flooded, fire damage, the house is old and ugly and can't qualify for a traditional loan. There's some motivation in their world that's really pushing them to look outside the norm. Mm -hmm. And if you've ever drove down the street and you see those little signs on the side of the road, we buy houses, you now we see like the commercials and the billboards. That's what those guys are doing. They're finding motivated sellers. And so you don't really know who's going to show up when you're putting out marketing. you just know that I'm putting out marketing to get myself in the game. So hopefully somebody today will call me and we can potentially work a deal. Some deals w- were real easy and not complicated at all. So to answer your question, this particular deal fell in my lap and I, I called Lyle and I said, man, I got a lead. This guy says he's in foreclosure, bankruptcy and divorce and that he's being mandated to sell his property by the attorney's. I don't know what I'm doing. What should I do? He said, "Come on over. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you some words of wisdom." I go over to Lyle's house, and I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking he's gonna give me some Yoda shit, right? Like he's <laughs> gonna like really like impart like this is what you do. Step one, step two, step three. And uh, he said, "Tell me, tell me about the deal." And I gave him all the information that I could. Um, and he said, "Listen, you're gonna drive over to this man's house, and you're going to do two things, and that's it." he's like lean in like like it's like really wise right lean in he goes you're just gonna be authentic and you're gonna be enthusiastic and i'm like okay and (laughs) what next yeah and like (laughs) what what, what, what do do i do then you know and he's like that's it that's all i'm telling you
0: that is some yoda shit though
1: and i'm like (laughs) lyle you're not helping me here like got it be authentic and enthusiastic what do i say when he asks me a question like i'm gonna just be a deer in headlights he's like don't worry about it you'll you'll be fine go do it he what i a great mentor allows you to discover the truth a great mentor isn't gonna just give you all this information because at, just like parenting kids like they're not gonna listen to you anyway right the 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 situation's gonna unfold however it does But when I showed up over at this man's house, what Lyle was trying to teach me is when you're in foreclosure, there's hundreds of people knocking on your door. There's hundreds of bill collectors. When you're going through a divorce, there's an insane amount of pain and stress and lack of sleep and problems in your life and bankruptcy too. And so this guy's being bombarded by people who are too technical, who don't give a shit about him personally, that just wanted to get the deal done. And instead, he took all that away from me and said, just go build a relationship with this man. Just go connect. Don't worry about the deal. Don't worry about the house. Don't worry about the outcome. Just go build a relationship. So when I showed up at his house, this guy was very guarded. And I'm standing on his doorstep. And by the way, when I first pulled up over there, because I drove a piece of shit in a Nissan pickup truck and I was embarrassed, and I'm carrying around contracts and note cards and pens. And when you're nervous, you shake, right? You don't you don't really realize you're shaking mm-hmm. until you look at your paperwork and you're like, oh, shit, I got to I gotta control this. And so I parked my car down the street because I'm embarrassed. I don't want this guy to see my piece of shit car thinking, this guy can't help me. And as I'm walking down the street, the neighbor's out watering his lawn. And I stop and talk to the neighbor. And I said, how do you like this neighborhood? And he, we're shooting the shit. And uh, I said, I'm about to go talk to John or whatever the guy's name was. And he said, oh, good luck with that he's literally kicked every single person off his lawn there's been hundreds of people here over the last few weeks that's the first words from the neighbor and i'm thinking fuck i'm fucked great like i'm never getting this deal but i stayed the course and i go knock on the door and i'm standing outside of this guy's on his porch talking to him never once bringing up the house never once trying to structure a deal
0: close them on anything
1: nothing no i just i just kept looping in my mind like be authentic enthusiastic so i was just trying to be super positive and ask lots of open-ended questions and for example like you know like it's got to be rough going through all of these things what's it like right eventually after asking a bunch of questions the guy, after about seven, eight minutes, 10 minutes of standing on his porch, he said, do you want to come inside? I said, yeah. I had never been actually in the house before. Yeah. I always got kicked off the doorstep. And so now I'm in this man's house and we're talking for 30, 40, 50 minutes about everything but the deal. And I, he's softening up over time. He's softening up, he's softening up. About an hour in, he goes, hey, Cody, I'm starving, man. I was about to make spaghetti. Do you want some food? I'm like, this guy's going to cook me dinner. Like, this is amazing. Yeah. I'd love some. We have an entire dinner. He's crying. I'm asking him, what advice would you give a young guy like me to avoid situations like this? If you can go back in time, what would you change? It was almost like this podcast. Right. It's like, like, it. we're just talking and about maybe two hours in, two and a half hours into this meeting, we had dinner. Now he's cried. I've cried. He said, I said, listen, John, I gotta be honest with you. Like, I'm not qualified to do this deal with you. I don't, I've never done a deal. My mentor Lyle is helping me. I don't know anything about foreclosure, bankruptcy or divorce. I'm sorry, I'm probably not your guy. And he sat there for a couple seconds. He said, what, do you, what, what is that on the table? And I said, oh, this is the contracts and paperwork I brought just in case I was able to help you. He thought about it for a second. He goes, slide, slide that over here. Let me look at it. And I gave it to him. I didn't even know how to fill out a contract barely. And, uh, and he goes, I want to do a deal with you. Give me your pen. We're going to figure this out. And I said, are you sure? And he said, you'll figure it. You'll be good. We'll, we'll work through it together. The attorney we did. I'll get you in touch with my attorneys. We'll figure it out. We filled out a contract that day, which turned into this 40 K deal about three weeks later. I sold that prop. I locked it up. And I flipped that contract to a local rehabber because this particular house happened to be in the historic district of downtown Phoenix. And it takes a very special process to renovate a historic house. And there was a, a rehabber in town that I had met months and months earlier that said, if you ever get something in downtown Phoenix, historic district, give me a call. And that was literally it. I called the guy and I said, what would you offer me for the house? I didn't even know what to price it at. And he said, I'll pay you this amount for it, which happened to be 40 grand more than I had it under contract for that deal closed. And, uh, it was, it was life changing because that day I quit my job as a bookkeeper making 34 grand a year. I now made more because I promised myself or whatever that, yeah, I promised myself my goal. This is how big I was thinking in the beginning. My goal was to make $4,000 a month, wholesaling houses consistently for 90 days, for three months in a row, then I would quit my job. Here I am not doing a deal for 14 months and finally doing it and making 40 G's. I was like, fuck this. I'm quitting my job. So I quit my job that day and uh, I bought myself something special. Oh, and I gave my dad some money. He needed some money. So it was cool. It was like, I was able to help my family, help this man out, quit my job. And then I went immediately and I bought myself a gift And it's a funny thing just for people listening. I just wanted to share this part just because when you're so broke and you're so stressed all the time, you're trying to get this new business up off the ground. You don't sleep very good. Your your brain is racing. You have all this anxiety. And, uh, I said to myself, when I do my first big deal, I'm going to buy the nicest bed, like a Tempur-Pedic King, the fancy one that's super perfect. And I went and I bought this, you know, really expensive bed with some of that profit. It was like my Mercedes. Yeah. But to me, it was important because for 14 months, I didn't sleep very good. I tried so hard to get this business off the ground that I stressed myself out the whole time. But something funny happens after you do your first deal. Like Roger Bannister, you know it's real. The distance between deal zero and deal one was much longer than the distance between deal one and two. It only took me a couple months to get my next deal and then a couple weeks to get my next deal. And then I started building systems and processes because Lyle, then Lyle engaged. Once he saw that it, I was listening and it was starting to click and I realized that all real estate is, is a people business. If I can master the art of influence, persuasion and building rapport, asking motivational, engaging questions and just gathering information. I don't have to be an expert. Eventually I became an expert, but in the beginning it was just, he saw that I was getting it. Just learn to connect. you get some deals, you won't get other deals. But if you never connect, you'll get no deals. And so, once he saw me getting it, then he went back in and started filling in the pieces. Like, here's the systems you use. Here's how to stay organized. Here's how to master your paperwork. Here's how to generate better quality leads. Mm -hmm. Here's how to keep, the properties that you're finding instead of flipping them for a quick payday. Here's how to actually win the tax game. Here's how to structure a creative deal where you never have to go to a bank. Like nowadays, think of, think of this between 2020 and 2022, 53% of every mortgage in the United States originated. Everybody refied when the rates dropped. And there are now $5.7 trillion worth of loans that are at a 4% or better rate. Why would I ever go to a bank? If I want to buy your house and you have a 3% mortgage on it, why would I go buy your house, pay a premium because prices are at an all-time high and go to a bank and get an 8% mortgage? Makes no sense. This is why nobody's buying real estate right now. Traditionally, this is why mortgage brokers are going out of business and realtors are going out of business is because when the government pulls their levers and interest rates go up like they have, they've doubled, more than doubled, real estate becomes unaffordable to the middle class and, and to poor people. And what happens is guys like me who are creative that understand creative finance, we go, screw going to a bank, first off. If you're an entrepreneur, you hate going to a bank. Of course, yeah. The mountain of paperwork, they crawl up your ass. They, they underwrite you so aggressively for a $5,000 loan. Man. Like, it's awful. So if I could work it out with the seller, 33% of all real estate in America is owned free and clear. Really? There is a tremendous amount of free and clear property. There's an insane amount of people with phenomenal mortgages on their property. Why would I go to a bank ever again? If I can learn how to do what's called a subject to transaction, a wraparound mortgage, a seller carryback, AITD or a contract for deed, these are creative finance terms. Not to get too nerdy on this podcast, but for anybody listening, go look those things up and start to expose yourself. What if you were a first time? You
0: all know the success story podcast is part of the HubSpot podcast network. They have incredible podcasts. So please go check out their roster. But one of my favorite shows is Nudge hosted by Phil Agnew. You just have to understand that some of the smallest changes can have the biggest impacts on your life and on Nudge. This is what Phil goes through. He speaks about evidence backed tips to help you kick bad habits get a raise, grow a business. Every single episode is bite-sized, 20 minutes. It comes packed with practical advice from some of the most prolific Uh, entrepreneurs behavioral scientists in the world and it's the uk's fastest growing business podcast i definitely recommend you go check it out you should listen to nudge wherever you get your podcast i want you to get nerdy because i want people to understand the possibilities and the potential because for a lot of people that have never involved in real estate this is very confusing to them Mm. this is very confusing and and it took me months and months and months to learn story is 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 great your origin story is great and I don't wanna just gloss over the fact that I'm worried that with too much education, similar to what you experienced when you were first going to these gurus, with too much education, people start to look at it as one plus one always equals two. So if I understand all these terms before I go to my first house, I'm gonna for sure close the deal. And I think mm. that they miss the human component. I mean, yeah. you yeah. you figured this out with your first house. I mean, my, my backgrounds in sales, sales is always human, marketing is always human. And some people feel they can like hack the system by over-indexing on knowledge before they even start. Mm -hmm. And I don't feel like that ever works. And to your point, it didn't work for you for 14 months. It doesn't matter how many contracts or systems or anything you know, if you can't build a rapport with the person, especially with one of the most emotionally charged and important transactions in many people's lives, selling or buying a home, by far, yeah you're not gonna close the deal. So I appreciate mm-hmm. that, but I still wanna understand if somebody is good at the rapport building, human component, then where do they go from there? And yeah. That's, that, that's where I wanna nerd out at some of this. Y-
1: yeah, and I think I love creative finance because once I understood I can bypass the banks and in some cases get the seller, it's called seller participation, get the seller to literally hand me their house. No money down no interest rate zero percent interest payments that are affordable and i just like take those 33 percent. this is where everybody needs to start go to a mortgage calculator usmortgagecalculator.org they're free right just go to google any mortgage calculator there's only three levers that we need to learn how to pull right if you think about how loans work you have down payment like how much like first you have the amount right so it's like how much are we buying this for when, it, when I'm negotiating with the seller, the biggest sticking point is always price, right? And if you understand, like, if I'm trying to buy your house, you want 500 grand for it, and I want to pay 350 grand for it, you're going to tell me no a lot of times. But if I say, I'll pay 500 grand, you're, right away, you're like, okay, what? you're thinking, let's do this. And I'll pay 500 grand if you are willing to just be a little creative with me for a certain period of time. It doesn't have to be forever where instead of me going to a bank and borrowing at 8% and, Mm -hmm. and, and making it totally unaffordable for me to pay you your price, I'm willing to pay you full price. If you give me good terms, you be my bank. You're the banker's always the smartest person in every transaction because they don't care about the real estate. Like once you sell or finance me a house, if the toilet breaks, it's not your problem. You're not a landlord you're the bank, you have a note, you have an income stream that we're creating. And so if you own this real estate free and clear, we have, we're have we negotiating over price, but the levers we're gonna pull are down payment, interest rate, length of loan. Those three things are really the terms we're gonna go back and forth on. Because to you, price is important, and then maybe the next thing that's important is earning interest on your money. If I'm gonna carry back the note, I wanna earn 3%, 4%, 5%. Well, okay, just think about chess. You make this move, I make this move. You make this move, I make this move. And if I only have three levers to pull, we're already agreeing on price. I now find out through conversations that you want to earn some interest because initially I'm going to try to offer you something where it's principal only payments. Mm -hmm. But then I hear you say something like, no, that ain't going to work for me. The last guy tried to do that to me. I said, no, I want at least 4%. So right away, I know that's going to be a sticking point. I might be able to get you to three, but I probably won't be able to get you to zero. Now I could get you to zero if I increase the price from 500,000 to 520. Mm-hmm. You might go, I'll do that. But let's just say you want 4%. Well, then I'm going to extend out the length of loan from 30 years to 40 years. Or I might say, okay, but then I'm going to put 0% down. And you say no, 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 I want some money down. And I say, okay, well, if you want money down, would you be willing to take principal-only payments? Would you be able to take, if you want $10,000 down to show that I have skin in the game, what if we put zero down initially, and then in six months I put five grand down, and then the one-year mark I pay the other five? It's like a tiered. Or, hey, you want 4% interest? Great. In year zero, I pay zero. Year one, I pay 1%. Year two, 2%, 3%, 4%. And it's a tiered interest rate system up until year five where it flattens out at 4%. What I'm trying to teach you guys is it's literally where you pull a lever, I pull a lever. It's we're negotiating back and forth on terms. We start with free and clear real estate because it's the easiest to wrap your head around. Mm -hmm. Now, once I understand how to do that, and structure a creative fi- or a seller finance deal. Now I can come back and go, all right, well, what if they have a mortgage on their property? How do I take over that really great At a low existing? Rate? Yeah. Why would I not want to try to convince the seller to sell me the house with the loan in place? People need to, and, and there's probably a million questions going through people's heads right now. Like, well, you can't just take over somebody's mortgage. Like, are you assuming it? No, we're not assuming it. We're not even asking the bank. This is called a subject to transaction where we're taking over the property subject to the existing mortgage staying in place. So if you already have a 3% mortgage, and I buy a lot of houses this way, by the way, I'll show up and say, I'll pay you the price you want, no realtor fees. So you're gonna save money on realtor fees. And I'm gonna step in and I'm gonna start making payments. This works really good for people who bought in the last few years or refinanced in the last few years, maybe only put 3% down. I just did a, a house in Vegas like this. Six bedroom, five bath, pool, spa. I paid the lady uh, eight grand down. <laughs> That's it, and she needed the eight grand to move. She wanted moving fees, and uh, like she wanted to move.
0: But I just have a quick question because one of the questions I want you to answer, and you can answer it at any point because you're on you're <laughs> on a roll right now. But what about P, This is this for a certain type of market? Because if you're saying that I can go into a free and clear, I can do a, I can do this uh, strategy with the mortgage, and I'm gonna have a subject to, and I'm going to take that over. Um, the, the biggest question that I think I can think of is why would this person do the deal with you? Yeah. they need a 500 K wire.
1: Yeah. Well, not everybody needs a 500 K wire. So a lot of people, when they bought the house in the, in like the last two years and they only put 3% down and then now the economy sucks and, prices have come down in a lot of markets, right? They come down 15, 20%. There's price drops happening on the MLS every single day now. It was never like that because of supply and demand. Now it's happening all the time. So now I I don't have a lot of equity in my house. And if I try to sell traditionally, by the time I pay realtor fees, closing costs, market it for three months, because the average days on market is now 60 to 90 days, By the time I pay all that stuff, I make $0 anyway, right? So if I roll in and I say, listen, screw paying realtor fees. I'll pay you. I'll take over and pay you full price for your house. uh, And I'll take over your mortgage. I'll start making mortgage payments. Mm -hmm. I'll put all my banking information in your online mortgage system. And it'll just pull payments right out. If you don't trust me, we can hire a third-party servicing company to like be an independent third-party that watches me make the payments, I pay them, they pay the mortgage, they give you a receipt. And now everybody in the transaction knows that we're all good. Let me take over your mortgage, maybe for five years or 10 years. And then after that, I'll refinance and cash you out. But you're, you got a great two, 3% mortgage, let me just start making payments on that. I'll pay you eight grand cash for your moving expenses, you're out. Mm-hmm. I then come in, I fully furnish out the place, I fix a couple little things. And i turn it into an airbnb now this thing's making me nine grand a month mm-hmm. it's costing me three because your mortgage is so good and i'm off to the races in three months i make all my initial hour maybe four months i make all my initial capital outlay back and i got this great little airbnb in las vegas that's just printing cash six grand a month in pure cash flow i put it in my portfolio forget it move on to the next one I now have this mortgage that maybe lasts 10 years where the lady's going to leave her mortgage in place. And at the 10 year mark, I'm going to refinance or sell the property or pay it off, do whatever I want to do with it. And if for some reason I don't want the deal anymore, there's a little clause in my thing that says at any point in time, I can hand it back to you.
0: There's, there's so many levers that you can pull. So when you go into these situations, like you have the human component, but then there's all these different levers of creative finance, I love it. I mean, so I'm building out a private equity firm and we're doing very similar things with businesses. Very, obviously- Dude,
1: this, there's gonna be a ton of businesses- I know, exactly, in so I'm very
0: excited. But um, very, very similar, but different. I mean, a lot of seller financing, a lot of creative financing options, but you don't have, the one thing that I miss about real estate is there's no tax advantages in business to the same extent the same degree. There's not as much, you can leverage LP money, you can leverage other people's money, but still I feel like even there, there are lenders set up exclusively just for real estate because lenders feel like real estate is tangible, more tangible than a business. So it seems like it's easier to even raise money for an acquisition if you even want to raise money.
1: Good deals, the money flows towards
0: great deals. I realize that. Yeah. It's wild actually how many people are like, well, you know, if you have real estate, come talk to me, but like I'm not really interested in that acquisition. So. Well, just,
1: just remember this. One of the other lessons, you know, things my mentor used to say is, in real estate, you'll never have a money problem. You'll, yeah, you'll only have a creativity problem. That's a,
0: that's a good, that's a, that's it's a, a baller that's phrase. A, that's a, that's a, some that's Yoda drop stuff right there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and
1: when, and really, what he was saying is, s- stop thinking that you need. Like, don't wait to get started because yeah. you have to have all this cash. It's I can't even tell you how many times I didn't have the resources. I didn't have the answers. And it's made me tens of millions of dollars over the years by figuring out a creative way to structure a deal. How many doors do you have now? Um, I have about 50 luxury Airbnbs. I have a 298 unit in Georgia um, that I'm a partner in. I have an 81 unit in Arizona by ASU. These are big problems. These are bigger ones. own lots of little single family rentals in like tertiary markets. Like these are like creative finance deals. Like I used to take over a ton of double wide manufactured trailers in Kingman, Arizona, like these random little markets where seller financing is common, right? It's like, uh, you can't qualify for a loan on a double wide trailer on a two acre parcel, but it's still great real estate. The the manufactured house was in great shape and it still rents for 1300 bucks a month. So it's like these these property and I got into it for 350 bucks a month. So I'm making a thousand bucks in cash flow and I got dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of those floating around um, in a bunch of different states.
0: It is overwhelming though when you look at all the different options. So if somebody's like getting into the game, into the real estate game, there's so many different things you can invest in and you can work on and you can flip homes, you can do single family, you can mm-hmm. do multi-res and you can do section eight, you can do all this shit. What do you say is like the the simplest, purest form of just getting started? Wholesaling. Wholesaling.
1: What I did with that guy's property. Yeah. You find a great deal. Because here's what I love about wholesaling. It teaches you the business. So like earlier you mentioned like, you know, learning the language of real estate. How important it is to do all these courses and all this stuff. Yeah. I, I do think it's important to build the scaffolding in your brain. To learn the language. To... To start researching all this stuff, there's nothing wrong with knowledge. It's just you got to apply it. You got to really get out of the classroom and get into the real world as fast as possible. You'll learn more through failing in deal making and door knocking and all of that. Yeah, I've done it all. I've I've done it all. But uh, wholesaling, what I love about it is you don't need you need very little resources. So you could start with literally no fancy watch, no office, no, like no power suit. Like you don't need any of that shit. You need some contracts. You need to know how to find a motivated seller and you need to rapport building skills, influence skills. And if you can put that together and with a little bit of hustle, go find one of those 15% of people that at any given time life hits them hard or the property's a disaster and work out a deal to buy it at a discount. If you can do that, there are guys like me that have tons of cash that want those deals, and I'll write a check. And so you'll use my money to close the deal, and you'll make that finder's fee. And so it, you can never have enough. I made my out there. I made my first million dollars wholesaling. I didn't rehab. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't do anything. I didn't own real estate until I wholesaled and mastered the wholesaling game and scaled that business. The challenge with wholesaling is it's a job. It's a pain in the ass. There's a lot of work involved it's stressful because until you actually build a pipeline, like in sales, you got to build a really good pipeline. It could be flood drought, flood drought, flood Mm -hmm. drought. And it's really hard if you have a family or if you're kind of doing this on the side as a side hustle, if you don't have good systems and consistency in, in your habits and in your lead gen, it's like you might pop a deal, make 10 grand and then not do a nail, the deal for six months and you get defeated. Yeah. But I will say this, Wholesaling is not real estate investing. Wholesaling is is uh, like uh, doing um, uh, garage sales. Yeah. You find like a cheap item and you flip it for a little bit more. It's just arbitrage. It's right? just arbitrage. Yeah. Until And I realized this when I made my first $1.3 million on, on my tax bill and I spent $1.3 million balling out that year having a fucking blast. And then I got a $600,000 tax bill. And I was like, fuck, how am I gonna pay this tax bill? It was my first time making any significant money. Like I went from like sucking
0: bad. You said 14 months for.
1: Nothing for 14 months and then within 14, within one year of doing that first deal, I made $1.3 million. So once it clicked, it was like, here we go, baby. And I loved it because for me, it was my full time gig. And I was, I had already put in 14 months of building relationships and stuff with people. Some of, so
0: some of that started to close. Oh,
1: yeah. all those little seeds I planted yeah. along the way. I didn't realize how beneficial they were gonna be once I actually started becoming a deal maker. Now that I'm crushing deals, I get this tax bill and I'm, my mentor's like, I told you from day one, you're not a real estate investor. You don't wanna listen because you're this young gunner and you're hard headed and you think you know it all go ahead and pay your tax bill off. And I'm like, I can't, I don't have any money. I mean, I might've had 70 grand or 60 grand. I didn't have 600 grand. And he's like, what are you going to do? And I'm like, I'm going to fucking double my wholesaling business. That's what I'm going to do. Like that was my plan out. I was like, I'm just going to make double the amount of money. He goes, great. You're going to pay double the taxes next year then. (laughs) So you're just going backwards, bro. And I'm like, well, what do I do? And he goes, you got to own the real estate because until you understand depreciation, until you get into commercial and multifamily, until you learn what a cost segregation study is, you're fucked. So, go ahead and work your way out of this hole. And being a hard-headed dumbass, I was like, I could do this. I could double triple my business. It took me 4 years to pay that 600 grand. I didn't realize when you owe 600 grand to the government, Not only do they send you letters yelling at you all the fucking time with giant red tape, like uh, type at the top, threatening to take your house, your cars, put you in jail. There's a little line in there that says penalties and fees. And it's like 20 grand every time, 25 grand every fucking time they send you a letter. So I was going backwards. I couldn't. I, I did double my business. And I did pay double the taxes.
0: You couldn't keep up though. Uh,
1: it took me four years to get myself out of that hole. It was the most painful, greatest lesson as a young real estate investor. Cause I quickly, after that second year, trying to work my way out of it, I was like, fuck this. I, I'm going because my plan was wholesale and now add in bigger paydays, renovations. Cause I'm selling wholesale deals to other guys. I make 10, they make 70 yeah. after they renovate the house. And I'm like, I can fucking do this. I can figure this out. Which FYI, every time you add a new strategy, you're going to have to restart. It's like you're a a baby draft trying to learn how to walk again. Contractors now ripping me off. They would do the wildest shit. They would, I would, I would meet somebody at like a RIA meeting and they'd be like, Oh, I'm the best contractor in town. I work with investors just like you. They would smell that I'm new. Right. And they're like, I got you. Don't worry. I got great track record. And, I'd be like, okay, let's let's do a deal. We'd go buy like $30,000 worth of materials. Next day, I'd get a phone call. Cody, bad news. All the materials were stolen. And I'm fucking like, what? Like, I don't have another 30 grand to like just buy more material. Like, what are we doing? He's like, I don't know, insurance claim or something. So I don't know what's going on. I didn't realize this fucking asshole was taking, stealing the materials, returning them, getting credits on prepaid cards and all this other shit and hustling me. But you don't know. Oh, by the way, dude, wasn't even licensed.
0: You don't know until you're wise to it. He's got a yeah. fucking
1: business card that says he's licensed, but I was such a dumbass kid that yeah. I didn't go to the register of contractors website. Look him up. He used to be licensed. He lost his license. No wonder. Yeah. 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 Now he's scamming yeah. green guys like me out of money. So then I, you know, you add in rehabbing and then eventually you're like smarting up and then you're like starting to own. And once I got over to the ownership game and became a real real estate investor, I started, I kept doing, running all my businesses because my real estate business turned into a real estate business, then an education company, then a software company, then a data company. And then we started throwing masterminds and live events. And when, when was
0: that shift?
1: 2010
0: but how many years after you had started wholesaling? Did seven. You start, seven. Seven, years? I got in in 2003. So you were investing before you started doing all the other stuff.
1: Oh, for seven yeah. years, I, I I, did, I I scaled the business. In, you gotta understand, 2008, the market imploded yeah. and I was at ground zero. Arizona's ground zero. Yeah. Florida and Arizona were the two markets that just got obliterated during the last crash. And I was at the right place at the right time with the right business model, and I'm looking around going, holy shit, I used to have to work so hard to find distressed real estate. Now it's everywhere. Everybody was losing their house. Houses that cost $150,000 just six months earlier are now selling at auction for 20 grand. And I'm like, I I have a money problem, right? I was making money, but I was spending it still. I had just started building a portfolio of rental properties. I was now rehabbing. I, I built a little crew and now the market falls apart. So I just figured out my life and the market, they moved the cheese. But like Lyle said, I don't have a money problem, I have a creativity problem, we have a new problem. Properties are selling at auction for pennies on the dollar and I need cash, lots of it now. And so I'm sitting there thinking to myself, where the fuck am I gonna get millions of dollars? And I was reading the newspaper and it said, Canadian dollar, strongest in history against the U S dollar. And I'm like, I'm going to Canada. I'm going to figure this out. A lot of Canadians bought So I, I know put out, I took out an ad. You're going to love the story. Sorry for hijacking your podcast here.
0: You're good, bro. You're good. I'm like a
1: storyteller, man. I love this shit.
0: No dude. I love I love to come up and I love (laughs) to Listen, I just want people to like understand you're, you're weaving the lessons into the story. So I'm cool with it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, I put out an ad in the Toronto Sun or some Toronto newspapers that said, real estate investing seminar, Grand Sheraton Airport Inn or whatever it was, uh, buy um, uh, Arizona properties for pennies on the dollar, come learn how, free. I get about 30 people to show up I have no idea what I'm doing. I have never thrown a seminar. I didn't have a plan other than I'm going to run a seminar and I'm going to see who shows up and I'm going to convince these people that down in Arizona, this magic is happening and that we need to go down there and buy real estate. The challenge is, and I'll be their boots on the ground. I'll be their deal finder. I'll wholesale them the houses, but I need somebody with cash. About 30 people showed up by the, and I stood up in front of all of them and I said, guys, I don't know really what I'm doing. Right. This is like, yeah, yeah, this is yeah. my MO, right? Yeah. I don't know what I'm doing, <laughs> but we're going to become best friends because I'm going to make you all very rich because these properties, and I showed a couple deal examples of like houses. This one was uh, just sold for 160,000, went for 44,000 down at auction. This one, da, 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 da. and about seven, eight or nine people said, I'm in, what do I do? And I, you know, all of them had 500 grand, 800 grand, 300 grand. And I said, Look, I'm going to fly back to Arizona. There's no paperwork at the auction, there's no rules. Like it's the fucking Wild West. I go down there and I need the way Arizona auctions work is when a house goes up for foreclosure, they release the opening bid 24 hours ahead of time. Then you have a certain amount of time to go drive these potential investment opportunities to see if they're vacant or occupied, what they look like. Are they burnt down? Are they intact? Are they gutted a lot? Of, you got to go back in time. A lot of people like just gutted their houses and left the keys on the counter and left. They were sitting vacant for years. People stole all the copper, all the AC units, all the appliances, all the cabinetry. Sometimes you would walk in and it'd be a shell, but from the outside you couldn't tell. So I had to get really creative, like learning how to break into these houses and like, see what I'm about to, you only had on.
0: 24 hours like at this point in time. You had they, 24 they, hours.
1: Well, you have longer cause you know they're coming because The way uh, the foreclosure process works is if you stop making payments, normally about three payments, four payments in, they file what's called a notice of default. That is the first public record that your house is in foreclosure. From the date that's filed until the auction occurs is 91 days. So I had 91 days knowing it would go to auction, but 24 hours before they released the opening bid. And now I knew kind of what I was dealing with. So we could pre-drive properties, but like, I would take all the opening bids, do quick comps and things on my computer, find out of like the 60, 70, 80, 100 houses going the next day, here's 12 that I want to go drive right now. Mm -hmm. And those are the ones we go do drive reports on. And I would call, I would tell the Canadians, I'd say, listen, in order for me to even qualify to bid on a property, I need a $10,000 cashier's check. So all seven of you, you're going to wire me $10,000 each on pure faith that I'm not going to steal your money. There's no contracts. There's no paperwork. And when I do win a bid, there's no keys. There's no title. There's nothing. They literally say, here's your receipt. Congratulations. I have to go kick in the door, bring out a locksmith. And then maybe three months later, they, they mail you a, a trustee's deed saying you're the owner. And by the way, that trustee's deed was in my name. They would have to trust me enough that I was going to- not screw them over. Not screw them over. That I was going to deed it over to them. And so what I would do is I'd say, guys, there's seven of you in the game. You're all going to wire me 10 Gs and we're going to round robin. I'm going to start here and there's so many houses going, I think I could buy two, three a day. So at least once a week, one of you guys is buying a house and we're just going to go down the line. And if you pass, it'll move to the next guy, move to the next guy. But from the time we win the bid, until 5 o'clock the next day, you have to wire me the remaining balance. So if you've given me 10 and the property cost 40, you got to wire me another 30 before 5 o'clock the next day. So there is no missing a wire cut off because you will lose your 10 grand.
0: We have to make this work. Is This whole system, like this was wild in, in 2008. Yeah. And obviously you can still skim these records for foreclosures now and use that as part mm-hmm. of your strategy. But is a system just as wild? Like if somebody's like, hey, I want to do that, but- a lot has changed. I mean, yes, yeah. totally. Yeah,
1: it's just there's not a lot of inventory coming through
0: the system. No, but would you not set up in like 2023? Would you not set up some sort of agreement that would guarantee you passing over the D to the investor? I mean, like- you could. I just didn't. But you just didn't.
1: Nah, nah. I was like, things were happening so fast. You're fucking so wild, fast. dude. Like,
0: look, well, I mean, what? Maybe, look- maybe, maybe it's not a lot to these people. Maybe they're like, listen, I know the person. They built the rep- like, if they're, you know, if you have a a name out there in the market, you. I didn't have for shit. A while
1: nowadays i mean it'd be different people know me they wire me 500 grand all the yeah, time no doubt
0: but right. like back then it was just look
1: i'm looking you in the eyes we're gonna go get rich together fly down anytime you want you could literally fly into town the next day if you want and come touch your house that yeah. we're, we're doing but um i just i just look i've always played the long game i just saw the bigger picture I, what am i gonna hustle one guy out of a house or some shit like yeah, that no, it's like no, no. It's not worth it so yeah. so i uh i and they would all wire me some days I would get a couple hundred grand in wires because I'd buy three houses down at auction, and I would go do it, and then my crews would go quickly do a renovation on it to get it into rental shape. I hired a property manager there to rent the properties out, and then as soon as they were fully done and rented out, and I got the trustee's deed, I'd transfer everything over to them and walk away. And I was making—I my guarantee to them is I would make between five and ten grand per deal. That was my fee for going down to the auction and bidding. Then if I did the renovation, I'd make another flat $5,000 fee on top of the renovation cost for just managing the mm-hmm. projects. But we were doing 20, 30 at a time, 40 at a time. So I was making, I mean, think about it. I'm buying three houses a day, five grand each. That's yeah. 15 grand a day. Then another five grand each for the renovations every day of the week from 2008, nine to 2013. That's not bad. I made tens of millions That's of not dollars. Bad. <laughs> Just to close a nice little pretty loop, a yeah. uh, little bow put a little bow on this one. I maybe kept 25 houses in total from that entire period. And over time, when I needed money, I would just offload them and sell them. These Canadians, because we bought hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, maybe over a thousand houses, they kept every single one. There's not a Christmas that goes by. I don't get Christmas cards from these guys because they're free. They have insane cash flow. Now all those houses are paid off. If they ever want any money, they just refi the house, pull out some mm-hmm. some put put a loan on it. And with debt, there's no tax event. Of course, yeah. So now they have all this money and then their tenant just pays it back off pays back.
0: Have you ever it, thought back to total, total assets under management for that period? Oh, like, Dude, such a, what it is right now.
1: I mean, they're probably worth three to four times the amount that, that we were yeah. buying them for at least. So yeah, I, That was my biggest mistake. And if you were to say, what's the number one regret? I don't, I wouldn't say I would go back in time and change it because it was a great lesson. But if I would have just figured out a way to raise debt instead of selling off all those houses and kept them all, I would I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you. You know, like would be like, we're done, dude. Yeah. I own I own four thousand houses and I'm done. I'm out. But you know, it's all good. They love me though. I get these Christmas cards reminding me of my mistake.
0: I want to talk about the Kelly Roadshow. I do not take my podcast recommendations lightly, but I have truly admired Kelly's journey from the get go. She was a fresh employee at a Fortune 500, received seven promotions in eight years, all this while building a company that blossomed into an eight figure empire. Today, she's a best selling author, top ranked podcaster, the proud owner and co owner of six thriving companies. And let's not forget, she's an Inc. 500 awardee, proving that growth growth isn't just a goal, it is a lifestyle. Now, her podcast, The Kelly Roach Show, dives deep into business growth strategies, specifically targeted for those hitting the six and seven figure mark, but it's not all business. She also explores the habits, mindset, and disciplines of the world's most successful people. It's a podcast that's perfect whether you're just getting started or you're trying to up-level your success game. But here's the deal kicker for me. She is a super mom and a wife. She embodies the truth that you don't have to sacrifice your home life for success. She believes and shows that life life-changing wealth, wild success, a happy marriage, and a fulfilling home can coexist. That is goal. So tune in to The Kelly Roach Show on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, it's time well invested. That's amazing, dude. So as, as you grow out this empire, I mean, obviously by this point, massive success, but you're also like an incredibly good marketer. Yeah. And I recognize that. And, and you know, we're just shooting the shit before we even started rolling. And, and the, the content you put out, this, the size of your personal brand, you told me you did like 100 million direct, r- direct response. Or? I've
1: done about 100 million so far online um, through online insane. education. Yeah.
0: That's absolutely insane. So, so what allows you to be, because, okay, you kill it at the real estate game. What makes you a great marketer? a lot of people kill it at yeah. real estate and aren't great marketers.
1: Mm, I think it's, I mean, it's probably a little personality. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm goofy, but yet technical. I'm very confident and aggressive, yet I use um, um, self-deprecation a lot in my style is to make fun of myself which allows, yeah, it connects. There's a lot of rapport building there because I just don't take life too seriously. Like, um, I, and when you truly love, like, I love what real estate's done for me. Like, I'm so passionate about it. I feel like it's my obligation to tell people about it. And when you really believe that, because it's been so life-changing to me and so life-changing to so many other people, it started slowly. Like it just, some dude came up to me and was like how are you doing what you doing and at first i was kind of just talking real estate to everybody and then one guy offered me five grand or ten grand for a day and i was like you're gonna pay me ten thousand dollars for a day of my time like i couldn't even believe it (laughs) that's because we're never thinking big enough right we're always just kind of thinking like well this is just what i do you know it's like i would talk to you for free but if you really want me to give you my systems give spend an entire day break it all down step by step show like just hand you like the franchise yeah. like here's the model like good luck 10 grand okay let's do it and then
0: fast tracks 20 years of their w- life so
1: yo dude it was game changer yeah. i wish i had that I in lyle didn't because he was older he didn't have those kind of things for me he had old school paper files yeah. and i had to like figure all that stuff the text stuff out but I was at the right place at the right time for the foreclosure meltdown. I was at the right place at the right time for the education boom. uh, Facebook was just getting going. LinkedIn was just getting going. IG wasn't even in existence. And so for me to take out a flip camera or a camcorder and record myself doing a deal, then take that and upload it online, it was a new concept. People weren't creating content back then for me to set up a camcorder and get on a whiteboard and map out how a sub two transaction works or a wraparound mortgage or how wholesaling really works. And my, what I'm really great at is taking a complicated concept and simplifying it into like really simple Mm -hmm. terms and concepts that anybody goes, I could do that. And I'm a very approachable type of guy. Like now I'm a little, I'm like, muscular cody right because like i'm on <laughs> i'm on this mission to like be ripped rich and rare
0: i like that that's like a good mission <laughs> like
1: i'm on this mission to like but you're still a nice guy <laughs> I, well dude i said this in other podcasts think of this one in 10 american households are millionaires but only one in twenty five thousand americans have a six-pack i want to be the dude that's rich with a six-pack yeah. Right. And that's a fucked up stat because it's like so many people are unhealthy that out a there. Fucked
0: up stat. I didn't realize that. Dude,
1: dude, how many people have you seen, especially here in like Miami? They're 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 at the pool. They got a, the sweetest gold Rolex you've yeah. ever seen. Yeah. And they're obese. Oh, yeah. And you're like, <laughs> dude, all this money making, all this wealth that you've well, created. I would
0: even say that even Miami, there's there's Miami is fitter than some places. You go to some other cities that are yeah, really not that is fit. true. There are some yeah. good-looking people here. Yeah. Uh,
1: but, but just. Yeah, I know but you're saying. you kind of look at it and you go, I know my mom passed away last year from cancer, and I would give every dollar I've ever made and own a way for her to be back and have more time. And not even really for me, but for my dad. We would trade it all for better health, but yet we treat our health like it's a secondary thought. And so as I've gotten older, you start to value things differently. It's like, I'm not, I'm not really, I don't care about the money. I really never did, but I do care about being here for a long time so I can make more impact, setting a better standard for my kids. Mm -hmm. You know, people are watching and we're over here, you know, wondering why I just read an article that in the next 12 years, 50 percent, 51%, it was something like that half, of every human on earth will be considered
0: obese that's super sad that's, that's super a sad. that's a fucked up stat i don't get why rich people smoke oh dude i, I see never,
1: him vaping all the time and i'm like what I are you don't doing get dude that.
0: i mean that blows my mind because i know people that are rich now and got rich and all they want to do is get fit mm-hmm. very similar to you mm-hmm. all they want to do is get fixed they want to live a long time
1: well, it's, it's just, it's, a, I want a great relationship with God. I want to be a great friend. I want to set a standard because I believe it's your obligation to be successful in all areas, not just, one. Not just making money, yeah. you know, and, and it takes a tremendous amount of work and dedication to be healthy, to have a good relationship with your significant other, to yeah. p- have a conversation and a relationship with God. It's like building a muscle. You got to do it every day. It's yeah. back to basics, mastering the mundane half the time when I talk to God, I don't hear any, I never hear anything back, right? There's like, it's like a one-way conversation, but I'm repetitively doing it because I, I want to attack that aspect of my life, just like I attack business. And over time, as I build that muscle, things, I start to pay attention. I'm like, you know, maybe I'm not hearing you, but things are happening. And I'm now more aware that the, you're moving pieces around for me and, I, and, I, and now I'm starting to have faith. Now I'm starting to believe a little bit more. Now it's starting to work. Now I'm going to church more. Now I'm, going, now I'm reading the Bible more. Not to get religious, because I don't even like organized religion at all. I just realized last year, going through divorce, having my mom pass away, that my intimacy circles were all fucked up. Yeah. Like I was way out of whack, wondering why I, I'm not being a great friend. Why my marriage is falling apart. W- wondering, you know, reflecting on like, what does it mean to be a super dad? You know, like how to, how to really connect and you go f- deeper you with your like kids. you feel
0: like you over indexed on, on money for two, not even money, Fuck but yeah. Dude, business.
1: Dude, if you yeah. want to get real and raw, and the last part of this podcast, and this is probably the most important thing I can even talk about today. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Look, entrepreneurs, typically the ones that last that make that don't quit. That will go 14 fucking months with no deal flow and everybody doubting you and being sidelined and bullied and pushed around and taken advantage of and sued by partners and stolen from by people that work for you. And that's all the bullshit that happens. We're a little sick. We have trauma from our childhood that we translate into achievement. It's a superpower and it's the number one thing that'll hold you back from getting to the next level. It'll get you going, mm-hmm. but you, you'll you never level up to the real true potential if you don't step back at some point and go, this pain that I carry around, that I compartmentalize and bury, that allows me to be a great entrepreneur, that allows me to attack this thing and, and be under extreme pressure but still keep moving, that thing, I need to learn how to go deeper because with relationships, and some men do this all fucked up. Some men hide their pain in drugs and alcohol and addiction. Some people do it with porn and sex and dr- and those kind of things, and some use it towards achievement. And they, even if they have achievement. So, there's,
0: some, it's all of it. Yeah, yeah.
1: that's what I was going to get at. There's nothing more dangerous than an Im- a rich, bored entrepreneur, (laughs) right? Like we can get ourselves into some fucked up situations. And so for me, it's like, okay, here, here I am. I made it 14 years in my marriage. I'm now bored. I don't want to be in the marriage anymore. I don't have a good relationship with my son. I don't know why I can't connect. I don't know why I'm. And at the time I wasn't really doing, this is, you know, four years ago. I don't know why I'm not healthy the way i should be i have i'm an atheist i have zero relationship with god like I, that's not even a thought i'm kind of like this is stupid what's the point mm-hmm. um and I can't, I can't figure out why i can't get to the next level I've, I've achieved all this success i'm building this personal brand but yet i feel like i'm saying one thing but doing another right? It's like, it's easy to get on IG and be like, let's dominate, let's crush yeah, let's but do it. You it. But then you shut it off and you're like, yeah. Oh. And then I justify, oh, well, I'm not happy in my marriage. So therefore I'm going to act like an idiot or, you know, I'm going to open up because I got millions of social media followers. I'm going to start engaging with other women on DM. It's like all that shit is just pain translating into bad behaviors, bad habits. And in, and Until my mom died and my marriage fell apart, when I finally hit rock bottom and I said, you know what? I've been doing things a certain way for many years and it's gotten me to where I am. But I need help. I need to go back to basics and I need to really figure out why I'm acting out the way I'm acting out. I cheated on my wife. You know, I'm not a great dad. I have no relationship with God. Let's step back and let's restart. And it takes my mom dying in my arms from cancer for me to finally hit that rock bottom place where I'm just a disaster. My dad's a disaster. My marriage is a disaster and I'm just defeated where I'm just like, you know what? I'm going to check myself in for as long as it takes into some form of a men's retreat that really addresses a lot of this shit. Cause you know, we all, we all carry around a story for me. My mom being a bisexual uh, being bisexual, my dad and my mom almost, uh, divorcing four or five times, separating a bunch of times. My dad getting fired every two years and moving around a ton. And my three uncles all being addicted to heroin, one going to prison for being a pedophile for the rest of his life, died in prison. The other one laundered money for the Russian mafia in Atlanta. My other uncle is a professional con artist. These are all on my mom's side of the family. There's a lot of ancestral trauma on my mom's side of the family. They grew up in the Appalachian Mountains, very poor, trailer park trash, that kind of shit. My dad's dad died when he was 13 years old. He's Jewish, his mom is not Jewish, his dad was full Jewish. The whole Jewish side of the family disconnected from us instantaneously, wanted nothing to do with us. So we, we were surviving, living in little tiny trailer parks, little rentals, my grandparents were Pentecostal, crazy tongues speaking snake handling fucking nut jobs recovering alcoholics abusive their whole lives uneducated never even graduated uh, high school grade school none of that shit just dropouts and you look around and you wonder why you're driving down the street and somebody cuts you off And you lose your fucking mind in traffic and all of a sudden you become a psychopath racist and you're screaming at your steering wheel and you're like, whole day is ruined. But you don't know where the hell that came from. You don't know where it came from. Yeah. The poor lady at the restaurant who makes minimum wage plus some tips brings you a burger instead of your chicken meal and you light her up in front of everybody. You get a flat tire and you're screaming at your family. Stay in the fucking car. You know, it's like, what the fuck is the matter with you? Why are you acting out? It's because I was unhappy internally. I had this pain. I didn't know I had it. If you would have asked me, how was your childhood? I would say, it was, it's cool. Everything's fine. I didn't know we were broke. I didn't know I was unhappy. I never even thought about these things because I compartmentalized and buried them like a fucking pro. It's kind of like Dexter. Yeah. I can have a dark, pa- I, a dark passenger and then the next hour it never happened. So I can go cheat. And then come home, how was your day? Fucking great, amazing meetings, da-da-da. And it's like, here I am, millions of followers, I'm a dad to two kids, and I'm setting the worst fucking standard because I'm not in alignment. And I knew I wasn't in alignment. For years, I wasn't in alignment. Now, I only cheated with one girl, but I shouldn't have done it. And that catalyst, with my mom dying, All of this just came together. I hit this rock bottom place and I checked myself into psychological counseling services in Scottsdale, Arizona. Paid them 10 grand. And I did one year's worth of therapy in one week. I shut off social. I shut my businesses off. I own seven, eight companies that are all doing over $10 million a year. And uh, it was just like, I had to. I had, because I learned something. First thing they teach you is you cannot give what you do not have. And I didn't have unconditional love for myself. So how can I have unconditional love for my wife? How can I have unconditional love for my kids? I saw in Hudson, who's identical to me, the things I hate most in myself. So here we are, me and my son, who's now almost about to turn 14, we're butting heads. Because he's just like me, he's hyperactive, uncontrollable, he wants to run game. He wants to control things. And I want to do it too. And in my, in my work life, I control everything. And I come home to chaos. I come home to a, a wife that I forced into her masculine because I was checked out and focused on my businesses. I wasn't giving her what she needed, so she went masculine on me. You don't want to, You don't want to fuck a girl who's masculine all the time, who is giving you to-do checklists every time she sees you. It's like fuck, yeah. I fucking do this all day long. I go to war every day. When I come home, I want soft. I want caretaking. I want yeah. you to baby me. Like I want to be like a little baby at home. Like I don't want to have to, a checklist. And so we were two best friends going one degree in two different directions. And all of a sudden, four years, 10 years goes by and you look across this canyon and you're like, hi over there. I don't know how to get back to you but we did life well because we were best friends and we lost the intimacy connection. And this is why I said earlier, you got to have your intimacy circles in right alignment in therapy. I did EMDR horse therapy, acting therapy, group therapy, individual therapy. We went so fucking deep. I had open heart surgery on my inner child and it was like 10,000 pounds came off me. I, I, all of a sudden I realized what I, the work I needed to do. And over the next year, I went to work and I kept doing the things that I should have always been doing, setting the standard I always should have been setting. Now my relationship with my soon-to-be ex-wife is phenomenal. We're super connected, super in alignment. My
0: but you're still, still divorced?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, no, 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 We're. we're... Look, I broke the contract. She has a standard in morals and integrity. And I I didn't, I broke it. And that relationship needs to die. I don't know what the future holds, but as of right now, she's dating somebody else, I'm dating somebody else, We're in, we're great. We're great co-parents, better than we have been in years. I'm a better dad than I've ever been. I I know everything about my kids. I know who their friends are, their fears are. I know what they're doing, when they're doing it. We're texting and talking all the time. I'm so connected with them. I couldn't be more in love with my kids and happier with the relationship that we're we, we we're forming and have. And especially with Hudson, we were always cool, but now mm-hmm. we're really cool. Um, you know, it started off with me secretly going to church, just sitting in the back, listening and listen, crying and praying. Mm-hmm building that prayer muscle, building that connection. And over the last year, I'm starting to be more connected, have more faith, be more grateful, Uh, uh, joining Christian men's groups. Just not because I want to be some Bible-thumping dude. It's because I just want to be around people that have faith. And I'm open to a lot, but I want to make sure that God, my creator, is in the bullseye of the intimacy circle, because it's like a dart board. Yeah, the bullseye is you and God. Then it's you and your significant other. Then it's your kids. Then it's your 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 extended family. Then it's your best friends. Then it's your coworkers. Then it's everybody else. I had it all fucking mixed up. Depending on what I was doing at the moment. Before this, did you
0: think therapy was bullshit? I thought it was stupid.
1: Like I yeah. didn't, I didn't know if I thought it was bullshit. But like sitting around talking to somebody once a week or once every two weeks and just like, okay, so catch me up. How are things going? I yeah. think is is whack. This type of therapy is different. EMDR is designed to take traumatic events because your subconscious holds yeah. your pain right? And that, these are the reactions. You don't know why you're doing it, but it's because in subconsciously, you programmed yourself a certain way. EMDR, they do it with light. It's rapid eye movement therapy. They do it with light and they do it with buzzers in your hands. I did it with buzzers in my hands. And it buzzes in your left hand, then buzzes in your right hand and back and forth and back and forth. And it tricks your brain to, to engage both sides of your brain. And as that's happening, if they're a really good trained therapist, they use They use these motivational interviewing questions to bring you to a point in time that's really painful. So like maybe my mom is in my arms. It's the last few hours of her life. She's wheezing and moaning and and writhing in pain. My dad's in the corner crying. I'm crying. I'm losing my shit. The pain is unbearable. If I even think that thought, it would be like an 8 or 9 or 10 out of 10. I instantly go emotional. I can't fucking control it you do a therapy session where they use NLP to reprogram the way you think about that event Mm -hmm. could be a death. It could be a car accident. It could be something tragic, whatever you do three, four of those sessions over three, four hours. It drops it from a 10 to a two to a one to a zero. Now I can talk about my mom. I don't, I'm not crying. I'm not losing myself. That's because I did the work. Now I, now I understand the, the lesson and the blessing in the event. Because I'm in alignment with my purpose, with my family, with my my core values, I'm a different human. I operate different. When I used to walk into a room, the environment sometimes would change me. Now I walk into a room and I'm the fucking weatherman. I change the weather. I walk in and I set the standard. I set the tone. No matter where I go. And everybody knows it. I don't have to say it. I don't have to walk around like I'm the fucking man. They just go, that guy's vibrating at a different frequency. And it's because I am. Not because I want to level up. I don't even care about the next level. I want to set a standard for my family, for my mm-hmm. friends. Every day I wake up, I'm, I'm texting five friends how, how much I love them and how grateful I am. Uh, you know, when you operate in alignment, every door starts opening. All the opportunities and potential start happening for you. And then you go, oh, this, is, this is what it means to have faith. This is what it means to, to have a relationship with God. Things just start happening for you.
0: Do you think that the personality of the entrepreneur, the person, like you said before, that's a little bit off. It's not, not 100% based in reality to build something exceptional cuz you have to put so much into it do you think that this is something that an early entrepreneur has to think about right now even if they don't feel they need it do you feel like this will be the end result for I, everyone i
1: would i would look i i know a lot of people I've, I've been blessed enough to throw some of the biggest events in, in the country, in the real estate space. I've had every major speaker from Andy Frisella to Ed Milet, to Robert Kiasa, all the big dogs yeah. have been on my stages and being an influencer or a speaker. I speak on a lot of other people's stages. I run masterminds and, and I get to know these guys. I know who's real on stage and behind stage. Like who's the same dude. Yeah. I also know which guys go off to the strip clubs and fucking party and cheat and do all that other shit. I would say you want to be powerful, get in alignment, go deeper, be willing to put in the work. You can still be great and achieve a lot, but do it in a more positive way than just using this pain to hide an achievement. But you're overweight you're obese your family life sucks and you have no relationship with god i would encourage them to go earlier because i wish i would have i yeah you know you who knows how that would have turned out for me but that's powerful however man. it happens yeah. for you though it ha it's 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 a good thing
0: you know as long as you e- even if it in the moment feels traumatic and stressful and like life's falling apart i mean like Scott, there, there some guys need
1: some guys need slapped some guys need punched yeah. and guys like me need ran the fuck over <laughs> and once i get ran over and i'm just like at rock bottoms basement yeah then i'm willing to change maybe somebody listening to this that's doing what i call yellow light behavior they're now engaging in dms with other women they're maybe they they've already cheated one time or they're gambling a lot more than they should or they're they're you know they're they're justifying smoking a little bit more weed or doing these drugs because they just need that fucking release whatever that unhealthy behavior is if you're right there and about to do it my hope is that when you hear this you pause just long enough to say I really need to get I I, if I want to really level up. I need to get back in alignment. I, it's not too late. You can stop this. Even if you've already done it. If I would have went immediately after I did it and went, said this fucking happened, I'm unhappy. I did these things. We need to, we need to go address this right now. It would have saved me four years of hiding, lying, covering it up, being out of alignment, holding me back. You can achieve a lot in four years when you're in alignment. You can also fucking derail four great years of your life being out of alignment. Now, Hudson's 14. It happened when he was 10. I could have had a great relationship since he was 10, but I waited because I was too much of a pussy to fucking go deep and address it. And I just covered it up with more achievement, more acting out, more justification. Mm-hmm. We all do it. And and I... Up until my mom died and I went through all this therapy, I don't think I cried for at least 10 years, at least. Not once. I couldn't even get myself to cry. I was so, I had so little empathy and just enough narcissistic tendencies and just enough compartmentalization of my pain that I couldn't cry because I wasn't connected. Now, I hear mute, I hear a song and I'm like crying in the car and it's like, I just kind of embrace it. I'm just like, Hey man, this feels good. I'm going to go for it. And I don't care who sees yeah. or what it feels. You know, the way I feel about it is just so much better. And I get done with my little cry and, and the rest of that day I absolutely murder it. So yeah, go for it.
0: Um, before we close this out, what are some last, I mean, I love that we went there. I really am happy that we went. Through. So thank you. Yeah, of course. I appreciate that, man. Because I think these conversations are the ones that other people have to hear. Mm. And like you said, you see the people on stage, but not a lot of people see the the guys off stage. Not a lot of people see the struggles. They just see the end result, right? They see a divorce in the paper or, or the entrepreneur that has the, the third wife or, or whatever it is. But they don't know how people deal with it. so.
1: Yeah, no, I, it's, it's probably the most important thing that we could ever talk about. Making money is great. Uh, Yeah. Being great is way better.
0: What are, what are last words of wisdom that you want to leave a a young entrepreneur building anything? It could be in real estate. It could be building anything. What's the, what's the one thing that you wish somebody would have told you when you're just starting out?
1: Man, trust your intuition. It tells you a lot. You know, your, 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 your body is telling you the truth. You can lie to a lot of people. Uh, you can lie to your family, your friends, people on social. But when you look in the mirror, you can't lie to yourself. You know the truth. You know what you need. You know if it's the right decision for you. Yeah. It's hard to have that kind of confidence when you're young. Uh, uh, the biggest mistake people make is they allow other people to steer their ship and derail them from their potential. I would say, uh, you know... You might not have clarity on exactly the path right now, but you do have a feeling in your gut of what what you should be working on and what you should be doing. So have enough strength to tell everybody else. No, you know, and 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 that's what I meant earlier. Like, yes, get you out of Egypt, but no does take you to the promised land. Learn to say no to people that don't serve you. Learn to say no to that second cousin that you don't even have a relationship with that wants you to go to some wedding on the other side of the country and you're gonna blow your last $3,000 on to, you know, be nice. Yeah. No, just say no. Hey, this isn't in alignment with what I'm trying to do right now. And people will forgive you. I'm telling you right now, all the haters, all the negative stuff, every person that doubted me, or try to get me to go in a different direction, when you become successful and you push through that noise, however long that takes, you will, it will normalize and you will set a standard for them because hate really is only two things. They're either saying, um, I'm trying to protect you. So my fear is you're going to get hurt, right? Loved ones do this. Oh, don't do that. You're going to and they're just talking you out of it because they're they're trying to they're trying to show love but they're just doing it in a really negative mm-hmm. way. Um, or your enthusiasm and intention is reminding them of their own shortcomings. And when they're reminded of their own shortcomings, jealousy and hate comes out. So it's only those two things. There that everything else it falls into one of those two categories. And so, if you stay the course and you eventually become success, successful because it is your obligation and you treat it as such, it's not a destination, it's an obligation. If you just operate, this is my software download, I operate as a successful human being. Every day I go work out, I eat healthy, I work hard, I set great standards, I love my friends, da-da-da-da. It normalizes, and all of those people, one of three things will happen. They'll either come back to you eventually and ask you for advice, they'll ask you for a job, or they'll ask to borrow money. And it happens to all of us. And you know you did the right thing when those things start happening. And and my last piece of advice is show those people grace because it is also your obligation to help them up. And this is why I do what I do and I teach and Mm -hmm. I run these masterminds and I throw these events because – We don't know any better. It takes a while. Sometimes you got to hear it seven, eight, ten times and we're negative Nancys until the ninth time. And then all of a sudden we get on board and then we're like, fuck, I was in my own way. I should have done this a lot sooner. But eventually, if you're just consistent enough, people do get on board. And when they do, it's life changing for them. It's life changing for you. So trust yourself. You got this.
0: Okay. um, Where are people going to find you?
1: My favorite thing I got going on right now is my podcast, The Clever Investor Show. Okay. Uh, super excited. I'm just on episode 18, 19 right now. Like, we're just gunning. Oh, you got badass names. Don't don't. I got that some big shorts. names. Yeah, no, I'm super excited about it. I'm having a ton of fun. Great interviews. Um, so, uh, podcast, The Clever Investor Show, at Clever Investor on all social platforms. Cool. And uh, if you want uh, any free resources, just go to www.reisuccesskit.com. It's a free kit. It's about $1,000 in value. You customize it for yourself. And it gives you like all the stuff we talked about, creative real estate, raising money, wholesaling. There's, you know, all kinds of downloads and videos and stuff. I I try to give people a ton of free value. So that way they can get a taste and see if it's for them. And then, obviously, I want them to buy all my shit because oh boy, I would yeah. I would love to work with them. Uh, but either way, just my yeah. YouTube channel has a ton of free. Yeah, I know it's
0: it. a good channel. I was watching some of the videos. You put out a lot. I try. Yeah, you, you know. put out a lot of shit. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, dude, dude,
1: thank you for having me on, man. This no, has been a great it. conversation.
0: Last question I ask everyone, I start with the same question. I want the same question. What does success mean to you,
1: man? Success is. the way you feel about life i think like i said it's a standard yeah it's just my operating software and if it's not a level or a destination or an amount of money it's an impact that you make on the people that watch you and are around you and if you are setting that standard and you're impacting the people that matter the most, and you're successful in my eyes. And if you feel good about it, that that's great. Cause you only got this one one shot. Yeah. You know, somebody dies in your arms. You realize that real quick. I gotta make every second of every day count. And uh, I, I hope people have more success in their lives in more areas than just wealth. Cause you can, you can have it all. And you can feel that you have it all. I the last year of my life has been the greatest year of my life so far. From a feeling standpoint, because uh, I'm doing the things that are the right things now. And um, the impact, I'm feeling the impact. The love is unconditional. And that's there's a difference, because conditional love is different than unconditional love. And, and uh, yeah, if I can help them on their success journey, I let me know. It,
0: Thank you, man. I yeah. appreciate you a lot. That was awesome. There you go. We're good. <laughs>